everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Williams, with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, and up in Boston, Tim Williams joining us. Guys, uh, tragic beginning uh, to the day, and that is that we found out that former Florida Gator tight end and um, New England Patriot tight end um, Aaron Hernandez took his own life this morning in uh, a penitentiary uh, outside of Boston. And uh, early reactions to that, uh, Ira. Well, first, I'm not going to shed too many tears for Aaron Hernandez because uh, he's a convicted, cold-blooded killer. Right. Uh, but I think I think uh, we can all understand maybe uh, the scenario that this happened in, in terms of, uh, you know, he was acquitted uh, of another crime last week, uh, a brief moment, uh, you know, for celebration, and then he returns to his cell knowing he's never going to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very, you know, a very short-lived respite, uh, you know, when he got to see his family. And then reality set in, I'm never getting out of this cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do we really know what happened in, in that cell? No, no. We've seen enough t- TV shows to uh, to realize all is not what it appears to be. But the bottom line is, uh, guys, I'm not going to spend too much time uh, dwelling on Aaron Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Joe, did you cover Aaron in uh, college at Florida? Yeah, um, I I can't say that I knew him well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't. Well, I don't really think any of us know any of these guys no. well when we figure this out. I mean, you know, the uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that we ex- had moments of deep conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he was a, a, a top-notch football player. He was uh, he could have. Uh, Ira, uh, you're you're the best of these. He had he kept on the straight and narrow, and uh, and played to his ability. He would have he probably would have compiled numbers that would have been worthy of Canton. But uh, what's interesting about this is, you know, this just happened, and already the conspiracy theories are popping up. There's a, a tweet out by uh, Ike Taylor. Uh, who's a who used to play a cornerback for the uh, Steelers, and he goes, uh, Aaron Hernandez, something doesn't feel right about him committing suicide, and others are are uh, you know kind of raising the issue of of all right, aren't they aren't they supposed to be watching him? How is he, you know, how is this allowed to happen, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, people are bringing up the Lawrence Phillips, another found mm-hmm. dead in his cell. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of that. But I, I'm, I tend to agree with Ira's summation of this, that, um, you know, he saw his family the other day, saw his, his kid, and they had a, a little video of that. And, and he actually, that seemed to, to affect him um, you know, seeing, seeing that. And then maybe he gets back and he's selling. Great. All right. So I'm, you know, where am I? I'm still stuck in this, in this cell for the rest of my life in all likelihood. And maybe he just, you know, it all caught up with him and he just said, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. 
It, right. That's... It's quite possible. Tim in uh, New England, I'm sure it hit them hard. And, of course, in an ironic twist of fate, um, the Patriots are in Washington today where they are meeting with uh, President Trump for the annual celebration of the World uh, Championship. Yeah, and that that's the first thing that came to my mind this morning when I read the headline that Hernandez had taken his own life, that on top of having just seen his family and just gone through this second trial where he was acquitted, where despite the first trial, he's still convicted for that, although that was under appeal. And actually, the fact of the matter is, because that was under appeal when he took his own life, that he's he actually died without a murder conviction on his head oddly enough but the i i think that that's part of it too finding out how quickly the world moved moved on without him other you know he had his family that hadn't but the the people that he worked with had obviously they're doing just fine without him and i think that that played into it as well and there's you know there's nothing good about this story. There really isn't. There's every way you slice it. It was a fall from grace that that's just terrible in and of itself. What he did was terrible, and there's there's just nothing. There's nothing good about this. No, I think one last thing just to put a bow on it. Um, to Ira's point, to Joe's point, to your point. The um, one a, a statement made by his attorney after the trial last week that. He felt that he, we're now speaking about the attorney, felt that he could have gotten him off in the first trial, um, I thought was a rather cavalier way of throwing something out there and and might very well have um, been a trigger for what uh, would happen. But it is a, a terrible fall from grace. It is, as Ira, as you said, he is a killer, and uh, there's people whose uh, families um, will not see their, uh, you know, will not see, you know, the person who he killed. And uh, that's a tragic situation. So it's tragic all the way around. But, you know, you know Jim, uh, Jim yeah. there's, there's, there's some, there, there has been some suggestions out there, not a lot, but some, that in some way the football team let him down and Belichick wasn't vigilant enough and, you know, I'm, I'm certainly tired of all this nonsense uh, where, uh, you know, you're going to blame an institution rather than uh, the individual. I mean, mm-hmm. well, what are the New, you know, what are the New England Patriots supposed to do? Uh, put, put a 24-7 lock on all their players? I mean, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, you, you hear certain things like that, and, and I, some people just can't. They can't wait to absolve people of their individual responsibility. It's it's rather remarkable. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. We all have to take responsibility for what we do and our actions, and I don't think well, there's any question yeah, about that. You know, though, uh, Ira, to that point, I don't blame the Patriots for this, but I don't think Urban Meyer gets off uh, scot-free on this because – there was a lot of stuff that went on at the University of Florida while uh, Hernandez and Meyer were there that were red flags, uh, multiple red flags. <clears throat> and we don't know everything that goes on behind closed doors, especially at a, at a football factory like uh, Florida. But at some point, 
you know, the, the individual's well-being and, and society's well-being has to take precedent over just getting them out on the field to, to win a game. And the, the history of Florida showed that Meyer was, was way too lenient uh, with Hernandez. And um, in the absence of any uh, contradictory evidence, I, I am going to put at least a little bit of blame in this on Urban Meyer's desk. What about you're, the you're uh, saying, you're, Joe? You're saying he, he didn't want to know anymore. He, he didn't want to know. Uh, uh, I, I, and what I'm saying is that there there were enough things he did know that would have required significant action on his part. And if that took place, um, it has not been shared with the public. Uh, there were lots of run-ins with the law, violations of university policy, and so on and so forth. And point do you do you have that intervention that you're talking about? No, I don't blame Bill, right. Bill Belichick at all because at that level, you know, uh, we we saw it play out here in Tampa with a number of players. You know, you're 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 a grown man. You're responsible. You've got a you've got a contract. You've got responsibilities. Let's deal with it. But in high school and college, you're still evolving. And the uh, Aaron Hernandez, who wound up in the NFL, was clearly ready to play physically, but not ready uh, to accept responsibility off the field. And this is where it ended. Didn't uh, during his time at Florida, Tim Tebow get involved in trying to break up fights that Hernandez was in? Yeah, uh, I believe that's true. And... Um, like I said, there were just multiple red flags mm-hmm. uh, about uh, Hernandez. And there, you know, when you say, Ira, that there are certain things the football coach just doesn't want to know, um, I would say that there are a lot of things the fans don't want to know either. You know, just, you know, he's a Gator, get him out there on the field, let's go. And I'm not saying that's unique to the University of Florida because it's not. But uh, uh, there, you know, we we see this play out in in colleges all over the place. We saw it at Baylor. We saw what happened there. You know, there there comes a time. The good of the individual and society at large has to take precedent over what they can do on a football field. And I don't know if if the answer is to get them into counseling rehab or or just give them a glimpse of what they're about to lose i you know it's got to be taken differently but something went wrong uh in the process at the university of florida and you know hernandez once he got out on his own and he got money and he's you know it just spiraled out of control and a tragedy a waste all those words come to mind did so in you I agree with you Joe in the fact that when you're on a college campus and this type of thing is happening and we're talking about behavior that uh, that you know is going to be trouble not only at the time but perhaps even down the line that coaches fans and even boosters become enablers oh absolutely and there were 
Florida's like any other big football factory. The boosters sure. are going to be there. The fans are going to be there. They don't want to hear it, tolerate it, acknowledge it, that anything can be wrong out there. Mm-hmm. Just, they live for Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. And we forget that you're taking essentially immature young men, putting them into a pressure-packed environment with all sorts of temptations and adulation, all right? Now, in college, you're a lot more sheltered, obviously, than you are in the pros. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you have to learn to conduct yourself in those hours that the coach isn't standing over you and, and, and keeping watch. And something happened at Florida that was – was just set this guy on a road to, you know, who who would have guessed it would have ended up like this? But but right. you knew this guy was trouble uh, mm-hmm. from the get go. And could he play football? Yes. And that seemed to be all that mattered. Well, it, it seemed like goes beyond college as well, or it goes beyond football as well. It's part of how our university system in general is set up that colleges and their campuses are essentially sovereign territory that is owned by the university. They have their own police departments. They conduct their own investigations. Everything's very insular. And if they don't want something to get out, it doesn't get out. And I think that on top of all that you mentioned, Joe, with sports and how sports can kind of impact and what happens on the field can kind of override common sense. I think there's also just the way these universities are designed and by the way everything's done, it's very easy to shelter people from the consequences of their actions, which ultimately hurts them. And I think we saw that here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, and Jim, you mentioned uh, the, the Tim Tebow impact. And Urban Meyer, one of the things he did, he assigned Tebow to kind of uh, be a mentor, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, for Hernandez. And um, there was this there was this classic uh, episode uh, early in uh, Hernandez's stay at the University of Florida. He um, they were out at a at a bar and. Uh, I think he he hadn't even he was a freshman he hadn't even been on the field yet and the uh, the Tebow was there and Hernandez somehow air quotes got uh, a couple of uh, of drinks when he wasn't old enough for them and then tried to leave without paying and there was Tebow tried to defuse it uh, and then. Um, you know, they got outside and Hernandez just cold cocked one of the guys from the restaurant. And the, that was, if if that wasn't a humongous uh, warning sign, I don't know what was. And now I'm going to give Urban Meyer the benefit of the doubt and say that, okay, he knew he had a problem child on his hands, but it sure appears that there was a lot of enabling that was going on there. And uh, it didn't stop until he left uh, Gainesville. Right. Well, it's uh, it's tragic all the way around. And um, it's, um, 
it's a story that uh, I'm sure will not end today. There's no question about it. But uh, oh, there'll be a uh, there'll be a mini series on this. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I believe you can count on it. Yep. Well, moving on to other things, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have found the bright lights of HBO, and um, it looks like they're going to be involved in hard knocks. And um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, Ira, you're out there, and obviously you're going to now play a very big role. People will be seeing you on hard knocks, no doubt. Um with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out there, uh, before you go out to, and and you know buy your wardrobe and get the makeup all set up, um, what's going to happen with Tampa Bay and and Hard Knocks? My first priority, James, is is to find a way to get on that show because right. <laughs> you never you never know, you never know when Scorsese is watching, gentlemen. This is true. And, uh, you know, I've got some acting chops as Henderson will will vouch for. Say hello to my uh, little we, friend. <laughs> yes, uh, Jim. You know the Bucks, the general manager, uh, and to the, and the head coach to a lesser extent, uh, mm-hmm. have have sort of been touting how mature their locker room is, and mm-hmm. we've got the guys in there, you know, that are driven, that are focused, and no distractions, and, and we're about to find that out, guys. We are. Uh, because those HBO cameras are, are going to be everywhere during training camp. That's what they do. Uh, there's some natural storylines. Of course, Jameis Winston, certainly. Uh, his charisma uh, just oozes off the screen. I mean, it's genuine. Uh, the camera's going to love the kid, the smile. You got the kicking battle with the second-round pick, Aguayo, from uh, Florida State. Uh, and then, you know, different storylines are going to emerge. But I think a 9-7 and seven team, which is a young, you know, the fifth youngest team in the league, um, I'm not sure they need this kind of distraction. Uh, I think the big winners are uh, the cable companies in the Bay Area, uh, which are going to see, uh, you know, their HBO sales spike, uh, at least for the summer. But uh, for a 9-7 and seven team that hasn't made the playoffs, guys, since 2007, while, uh, you know, Tim Williams' team up there is gobbling up Vince Lombardi trophies left and right. Bucks are just trying to get in the dance. Uh, I'm not sure this is good news. I'll, I'll take the opposite end of that, actually. I think it's very good news for the Bucks because living up here in the Boston area, I'm about the only person I know who's heard the name Levante David or the name Quan Alexander yet. And to that end, I'm going to read off a tweet from Quan Alexander on April 6th. Attitude will change this season. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Guess you have to act crazy to be seen in the NFL. And that's, well, no one knows who he is. No one knows who Levante David is. These are great young players. And outside of Jameis Winston, I don't think the Buccaneers' young players get a lot of credit I think they'll be extremely happy to finally have themselves known on a national stage. And I think it could be very good for them because even when the Bucks are good, they aren't necessarily the team that leads the highlight shows. They're not the team you hear about very often. So this is really a chance for people to make a name for themselves when, well, athletes have egos. They want to be known. And 
if they don't get known in Tampa Bay, they'll find a place that will put them under the spotlight. So I'm glad they're getting it with the Bucks. All I to say is, Ira, uh, Jim, you guys all know this. Why wasn't Hard Knocks around when Warren Sapp and Lynch That's and right. all those guys were there? Can you can you imagine uh, Simeon Rice on Hard Knocks? God, I'm just. I'm just yeah, Keyshawn, right. Gruden, Gruden. <laughs> it, the funny thing about Hard Knocks, and, and just taking you know inside, inside baseball here for a second. Um, the thing was put together by John Miller. John is now with the NHL. John at the time was with NFL Films. He pitched the idea to um, to Ross Greenberg when Ross was at HBO, and uh, the concept with NFL films was that the only way this works is if we get to embed our camera crew from day one. And, you know, basically we have a hundred percent total access and that's the sign off. The sign off is that the team that, that uh, signs up for this gives them a hundred percent total access. And, uh, they become, after a while, and I've asked a couple of people involved, Brian Billick, who was involved in the first hard knocks with the Baltimore Ravens, Brian will tell you that um, you know, after about a week or so, you, you actually don't realize that these guys are around, which in some regards is a good thing and a bad thing. It just depends upon what, how it works. But um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's been a fascinating series, and, uh, and I think that uh, – the Buccaneers um, are perhaps uh, a prime target for it in many ways because of um, some of the characters that they have that people don't know about. Uh, I'm going to make a bold and brash uh, prediction here just for Henderson. And, and Joe, you know I'm right about this. Um, should the Bucks take a step back and go 7-9, and nine, some of the blame from one buck place will be laid on the cameras of hard knocks. Am I correct, Henderson? You're correct. And if they do that, they deserve to be uh, smacked upside the head. I'm just saying, because, you know, after they leave, after the cameras leave, okay, there's still this issue of playing 16 games. And yeah. the Bucks have, have done by all accounts, uh, a whole bunch of right things in this off season. And assuming that they uh, don't spit the bit on the draft and that they get some additional help there, they have, they enter, they should enter this season as uh, I would say a favorite to make the playoffs. Uh, if, if not even move on a little further than that, they've got the, uh, Jameis Winston will be in his third year. Mike Evans is an elite receiver. Now they've added, you know, uh, Deshaun Jackson. They've added. Uh, what if, what if for some reason Dalvin Cook falls to them in the in the draft? And I don't think right. he will. But what if he does? And they get a game breaker uh, back there. And you know, it's it's all in place. The defensive uh, side of the ball is getting better. Uh, so if they go seven and nine. I don't want to hear them blaming it on HBO. It'll be there'll be uh, other things to talk about uh, besides the HBO cameras. Well, you know, 
the the good news about it is that if they just you know if things go well for them during this pre uh, preseason and during the season it will give um it'll give the nation a chance to embrace the team so let's hope that uh that being part of hard knocks is a fun thing well and and let me throw one other quick thing out there and Ira you will vigorously agree with me on this point if you look at what the NFL is today i think something uh, a fair amount of the credit has to go to NFL films uh, and for what they did in helping grow interest in the sport. And this is just a continuation of that. I think anything that gets the the fan or the viewer uh, closer to the scene, you know, and it doesn't get much closer than with hard knocks is a, is a good thing. So the bucks to me are doing the right thing. They're embracing it. They're saying, you know, Hello, America. Here we are. And uh, I know one thing. I'll watch. You know, Tim's point is right uh, about some of these uh, emerging stars like Aquan Alexander, maybe a Vernon Hargraves who had had a pretty good rookie season. Uh, We'll see how he does in in year two. Uh, Ali Marpet coming from Hobart College uh, and on the brink of being an all-pro guard, and now they're moving up to center. Guys, so and of course, you know Winston uh, and Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know with his posse, uh, there there are natural storylines. Uh, so Tim's right; the Bucks don't get a lot of pub. Quite frankly, they haven't deserved a lot of pub. Uh, you know, they've had two winning seasons uh, and four coaches in 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 the interim. So for those young guys, Tim. Uh, I think you're right. It's it's a little bit of overdue publicity. Uh, but again, overall, I'd be curious to see whether this room is, is mature enough to handle the distractions. Um, you know, those cameras, which I guess you forget about after a week, but in that first week, you know, all of a sudden guys are, you know, maybe trying to hog the camera. There's a little jealousy. There, there, there's a potential for a problem here. Potential. Uh, we'll see how it works out, Jim. Hey, Ira, what's um, for those of us who aren't um, following the Bucks on a on a weekly basis? Um, who are some of the people you know who are listening to this podcast and and don't know the Bucks? Who are some of the characters, uh, players, and coaches that we should be looking out for? Well, Tim mentioned Alexander. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is a fourth round pick who was supposed mm-hmm. to play behind uh, Bruce Carter, who had just been signed as a free agent from Dallas. Mm-hmm. He was kind of ticketed as the middle linebacker, and Alexander beats him out like by the second preseason game. Bruce Carter's on the bench, and you got to give the Bucks credit because they paid him money as a free agent, and then he he became a backup, and Alexander. Uh, has a vibrant personality. And as Tim mentioned in that tweet, you know, you got to be an animal. You got to play like an animal. Well, he does. He does. Uh, I would call him the leader of this defense. Um, even with Gerald McCoy, uh, I think Joe would back me up on that. Um, and then you've got McCoy himself. The guy was the third pick in the draft, 2010. He's never been in a playoff game. He's going into his eighth year. All he's seen is a lot of losing, some injuries. And 
again, I expect Henderson to back me up here. This guy has been haunted by the specter of, of Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp's a ghost. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, an albatross on Gerald McCoy. He can't shake him. He's supposed to be the yeah, next that- Warren Sapp. Well, there's only one Warren Sapp. So McCoy comes in on Monday for the start of uh, the off-season program, and he starts talking about how he's got to do more and, and self-evaluation and I'm not doing enough. And I thought I was Frazier Crane, and he, he was sitting on a couch. Uh, <laughs> the, the, guy was, the guy was burying his soul. Uh, and then, you know, Jameis Winston, 10 minutes later, comes to the podium, and, and he's just, you know, he's ready to play 4 o'clock that day. So the contrasts are, are startling. Um, it, it's good. It's going to be fun television, uh, and I'll tell you in December if it was fun for the Bucks. <laughs> How about any of the coaches? The coaches, well, Carter's a pretty straight shooter. Dirk Carter, been waiting his whole life for his chance. Uh, college coach, Boise State, Arizona State. Uh, very, very good offensive mind, unquestionably. Uh, you know, one of the better play callers in this league. Uh, and finally gets his shot and wins nine games, replacing Lovey Smith. So, you know, he's riding high right now, gets along well with the GM. Uh, he's in good shape. Uh, the coaching staff, I think, generally speaking, I don't think there's any stars there. Uh, you know, there, there's no Brian Cox, uh, you know, who's going to make a name for himself uh, off camera. Uh, so, the, the, you know, Guys, you can't talk enough about the guy under center. Winston, you know, who's been impressive those first two years, um, the guy is just uh, a shining star. That's just the way it is. I thought he was fake. I thought it wasn't genuine. Now I'm convinced it is uh, because players will see through you. Uh, and uh, this is a guy who gets even the veterans excited. So Winston, Winston is going to be the start of this broadcast, I, I think. And expect him to dance. He loves to dance, especially on camera. So it, I'm sure one of the things that's going to come out of Hard Knocks is watch Jameis Winston dancing in, in for no good reason in front of the cameras because he's he's funny like that. And that that's going to be good for him because I think there are a lot of people who still haven't seen that side of Jameis Winston and know him for other things that not maybe not necessarily fairly. Well, I would I would bet one thing though, and Ira, back me up on this. I would bet that before the Hard Knocks cameras approach, right, before they show up at one buck, that the uh, coaching staff, uh, you know, the all of them, from the owner to the GM, the coaches, maybe even some of the players, will pull Jameis aside. And go, you know, just enthusiastic is great, but don't say anything stupid. Uh, he got in trouble, uh, as we remember at Florida State, for uh, an unfortunate uh, dance on top of a table in a dining room in which he shouted out some things that got him suspended for a game against Clemson. And yeah. yes, he's matured, he's matured since then. Just natural exuberance that wasn't always inhibited by maturity, and hopefully uh, he knows how to control that better. 
because if he starts doing something bizarre, um, you know, it's going to be a national story and not the kind the Bucks want. Keep a hey, lid Jim, on it, Jim. Is it, yeah, Jim, is it your understanding that the Bucks are entitled to uh, instruct HBO uh, that they cannot uh, delve into Jameis Winston's uh, past at FSU? Can they do that? They can do whatever they want to. Is HBO I mean, bound by that? What do you I mean? mean? Uh, they I don't mean, have uh, to. What in what regard? How do you mean? There, can uh, can HBO sit down with Winston and start asking him questions about uh, his behavior at Florida State? That's not how. No, the the way that um, the the whole concept behind uh, uh, Hard Knocks is that it's an organic show, that it works. You know that you're basically in unintrusive. That you know that you're not asking questions. You're basically watching. You know, from inside a practice room. So, from that standpoint, no, uh, I don't expect that to happen. I expect that um, the way this whole thing has has grown over the years, and in, in, in the genesis of it, with um, you know, when when it was uh, the idea of John Miller, um, John's concept was to to show you the behind the scenes uh, aspects of what goes on with a team, and not to have anything scripted or interviews or any of that sort of thing. So, so no, I don't expect that they will go there. I mean, they're, they're, they, um, hard knocks, uh, the Buccaneers can, if there's something that happens that is, you know, um, shouldn't have happened or, or, you know, whatever it is, be it like a HIPAA thing or something on an injury uh, aspect, certainly that, that, that could be, um, could be fixed, but um, no, I, I don't expect them to talk about what goes on uh, or what went on, I'm sorry, at FSU with them. I think, as I say, this is an organic show that is really based on um, on more of the personalities that and, and how they interact between each other and more of a total reality show than it is um, anything scripted in a situation where one would sit down and, and ask questions. Okay. By the way, kudos to John Miller. Uh, John is probably one of the most creative fellows. John not only came up with uh, the concept for Hard Knocks, it was John's idea that um, the NHL, where he, um, you know, is now working, um, embraced the concept of the Winter Classic. It was the Winter Classic that was John's idea. John went to NBC with it and. Um, and work that deal out. So, so John Miller's a pretty clever fella. Um, he was uh, sitting at the knee of a, a dear friend and someone who we miss very much. And of course, that is uh, Steve Sable at NFL Films. And um, he moved on to the NHL, where he has uh, become uh, one of their key marketing and television guys there. So kudos to John, who does an outstanding job with the NHL. And, and certainly he has, um, uh, with the Winter Classic, he's uh, he's hit another uh, home run in that regard. So there's a name you don't hear a lot of, but uh, John Miller was behind Hard Knocks, and he's behind the Winter Classic. So pretty clever. Not bad. Well, like Joe, like Joe says, no league up. Uh... No league promotes itself has ever promoted itself better than uh, than the NFL. Um, 
and NFL Films with uh, with uh, Ed Ed and Steve Sable. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the gold standard, uh, Jim. You know that you're yep. mm-hmm. you've been in this business. Um, they they uh, I, I don't know if they're directly responsible, but I, I think they're largely responsible for uh, football catching up to baseball and ultimately uh, passing it as uh, America's number one sport. I don't think there's any question about it. Oh, I think you're right. I think well, you, you certainly. I mean, you were instrumental in getting um, Ed Sable in the Hall of Fame. You made the the uh, the case for him. Uh, you know, there's the way that they went about selling football to the masses uh, is what made the league, and and I don't think there's any question about it. Um, it was Steve. You know, it was Ed Sable's concept. It was Steve Sable's vision. And Steve, right. Steve, honest to God, I mean, he and Ross Greenberg uh, are two of the best documentarians. I don't care, you know, yes, they're, they're involved in sports, but um, Steve at uh, NFL Films, Ross, when he was with HBO, Ross now has his own company. Um, but without question, those two guys and what they did um, from a sports standpoint uh, to bring – the casual fan to the sport is what they've done. And that's exactly Ira, what uh, you're talking about with regard to what did NFL films do. NFL films brought the casual fan to football. They used football follies. They used music. They used um, highlights. They made, I-, I can remember the first Tampa Bay Buccaneers highlights film. I swear to God, if you watched that film and didn't watch the team, you would have sworn they won the Super Bowl that year. <laughs> wasn't that, well, wasn't that six minutes long, uh, Jim? About a six minute film? Um, no, it was, it was 20, it was 28 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but would any of us know John Fasenda was without NFL films? Oh my God. And yet, right. he, yeah. he's, he's the voice. So the voice of God, and, uh, yes. and would we, uh, even though it was never officially referred to this way, the frozen tundra somehow came out of NFL That's films. Right. Uh, and you know, know, uh, uh, Joe, Joe, Jim mentioned uh, Greenberg uh, from HBO. Um, mm-hmm. Some of those, some of those HBO documentaries, I, I think that's some of the best stuff that's uh, been on television uh, in, in modern era. I mean. I still remember that one they did on Ali Frazier. I thought that thing was unbelievably good. Unbelievable. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. the build-up build for the first fight. I, I still remember that uh, that documentary. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Between Ross and um, and Steve, they won, I believe, close to 100 Emmys. Um, many at my expense, thank you. Uh, but <laughs> I would like to... I don't want to have to point that out, but, you know, sometimes you do. Not that you're bitter or anything. Not, not that I'm bitter or anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, the um the like way... listen to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, you know. It's going to happen. It's, it's, you know, everybody else. I, I mean, I've got a lot of people who I've lost to, so it's not that bad a thing. Um, but, you know, the the thing you're talking about, Ross – uh, you know, Ross's stuff mainly now, you'll see it a great deal on NBC Sportsnet. You'll see it on um, – he was uh, instrumental in uh, – I don't know how many people saw the Dean Smith piece, but that was uh, that was Ross. That was... Um, and Ross has done a number of things. It, uh, the Jack Nicholas thing uh, on Golf Channel, I don't know if anybody 
paid attention to that, but that was a Ross Greenberg thing. So, and he also does the hockey um, situation where they get ready for the um, uh, upcoming uh, Winter Classic. It's like the road to the Winter Classic is something that Ross does, but he does a number of other things. But no, no question about uh, even still um, Steve Sable's um, vision at um, at um, NFL Films continues to live on, and um, now Scott Graham, I think, is doing the voice uh, instead of, of course, the late John Felsenda. For a while there, the late uh, er, uh, Harry Callis was doing it, uh, and uh, he had a, a good voice. But nobody had a voice like uh, John Felsenda. Um, well, there isn't any question whole, about it. It was the whole presentation of it that really stood out and still stands out across anything. I, I don't know. I feel like I could watch a nature documentary if you put the Sam Spence music behind it and the deep-throated narrator just sitting there going through the um, the actions of this animal running through the, the, well, hopefully frozen tundra because it would just sound so perfect that it it seems like they could present anything with that roaring soundtrack and and a deep voice and do it perfectly and and you never see anything else like that there's nothing like nfl films because of that well yeah and they they also um i think you would agree mastered the art of the slow motion video play you know the you'd you'd see the guys like the particularly in the in the combat between the offensive and defensive lines they would slow it down and you would get to see like the guy's helmet sliding halfway up his head as he got whacked and and you know the uh, the the running back doing a pirouette as he goes through the hole uh it was it was magnificent and still is yep uh, and, you know I, jim i think one of the breakthroughs I think you'd agree, uh, was uh, wiring uh, Mr. Henry Stram for Super Bowl IV. Um, that was just, a, you know, a quantum leap. And, and, and I guess they had to work on Stram. He didn't want to do it. Uh, no coach had ever been wired like that, and he agreed. And, of course, you know, you got to have somebody with charisma like Stram, and he had plenty. Uh, and some of the phrases that he came up with, you know, matriculating down the field and the, the Chinese fire drill and, that, that that was a remarkable moment, uh, uh, you know, for sports uh, documentaries. There, I think. I don't think. I don't, trap. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question, Ira, that you're absolutely right. The only thing I would quibble with you on is having worked with Hank for five years. I can honestly tell you, I really find it hard to believe that anybody had to argue with Hank to wire him <laughs> up and. and and put a microphone on him. So uh, no, no offense meant, but having worked with Henry for five years, I can honestly tell you, talking was never a problem with Hank um, in that regard. And, Fifty-two toss power trap, by Henderson. Fifty-two toss power trap. No, 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 no. Sixty-five toss power trap. Chief sixty-five. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Well, with that. Get it right. With in in. Uh, in honor of our old friend Hank, um, let's uh, let's move on to final, final, uh, you know, final thoughts. Uh, I'll go with Tim first, and then we'll go to the Sunshine Boys. Tim, final thoughts, real quick, uh, on this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. 
Well, we've been talking about the NFL and some of the people that have helped make the NFL what it is today. And I, I think it would be, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the late, great Dan Rooney, the owner of the Steelers for a long time that passed away at the end of last week. And certainly you talk about people that made the NFL what it is. There are a few owners that really stand out in the history of that league as helping shape it and helping mold it into what it is now. And he's one of the top ones. He's he's in that group of owners that really changed the league and shaped it under them. So that's... It's the end of an era for the NFL as guys like that are are now no longer with us. And we have in their memory we have this league that we all see that we all love and that grows every year. And it wouldn't be this without him and a lot of other guys like him. We mentioned a couple today. And I, I think that that merits mention and as far as where to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Writes Sports. Okay, Joe Henderson. Well, I'm going to uh, give a little shameless plug here to me <laughs> because uh, there's no such thing as a shameless plug. <laughs> there we go. I have uh, one of the things I do here is um, uh, in addition to. Uh, spending hours preparing for this podcast is I do um, uh, a weekly column for uh, a newspaper here in Tampa and it's the Tampa Bay Times. Ira, mm-hmm. no, Ooh, no comment. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> but uh, the, the column I have coming out this Sunday, uh, I had an interview with the wife of the former uh, and founding owner of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, as they were known then, uh, Vince Namoli. Um, mm-hmm. And Vince uh, just gave a million dollars to the University of South Florida Athletic Department after donating, I don't know how many millions to the University of Tampa. And Vince is in a, um, a uh, I guess you would call it a, an advanced care facility here in Tampa area. Uh, he's battling a, a neuromuscular disease that is progressive and it's left him uh, unable to, to walk by himself or dress himself or feed him, you know, just all of that stuff. His voice uh, sound, you can barely make him out, but his mind is still sharp. And uh, he gets a lot of... Um, his name invokes a lot of emotion and I, and he has certainly aired me out uh, as he has most members of the media he dealt with, but there's another side to him. And I'm going to try to present that uh, in my column uh, in the times this Sunday, just Google uh, Joe Henderson and Vince Namoli and hopefully it'll pop up. Uh, Meanwhile, you can find me on Twitter. I'll probably post it there too at uh, J Henderson Tampa. Mr. Kaufman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at iKaufman76. And I'd like to commend uh, young Mr. Uh, Tim Williams for uh, heartfelt uh, comments about Dan Rooney. Um, and I wrote a column this week uh, for Joe Buck's fan about how Dan Rooney was instrumental in uh, 
and landing the Bucks as an expansion franchise in 76. He was the head of the expansion committee. He had a warm place in his heart for uh, for the Tampa Bay area. Uh, so Buck fans should not forget that. And I, the final, uh, you know, I just want to add to what Tim said in uh, terms of the end of an era. He's right. The Maras, the Roonies, uh, they're gone. In their place, gentlemen, stands Jerry Jones, Dan Snyder, Robert Kraft to a certain extent. A different breed. And how do we define this different breed? More money, comma, less class. I'm sorry, that's the way I see it. Because they used to have meetings and decide what's best for the league. Now they have meetings and decide what's best for my pocket. Uh, going forward, uh, I see some treacherous times ahead for the NFL because the Dan Rooney's of the world always had the league as their top priority. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, invoking uh, wrath from their own fans. Well, hey, why don't you take care of your Steelers and your Giants? But they had a bigger picture in mind, and uh, I'm not sure today's owners uh, have that same view, guys. Well said, Ira. I real one real quick Dan Rooney story. Um, I used to produce the um, Bill Cower show, and I went into um, the PR department's office and asked if I could get a football helmet to put on the set. And Dan Rooney's office was kind of catty corner to the, the uh, public relations office. And Dan came out, and Dan looked a lot like. Um, uh, Dan wore a cardigan. It's like watching, you know, you're in Pittsburgh, so you, it's kind of like the football version of Mr. Rogers. And um, Dan came out and he says, you're looking for a football helmet. I said, yes. Yeah. He said, what do you need it for? I said, uh, we're going to put it on the set for, for Bill. So it's, you know, there. He goes, I got a better idea. Come with me. So we walk around the corner. He goes to the trophy case. He opens it up and he hands me a Super Bowl trophy. And he says, put that on the set. And I go, what? <laughs> I'm not taking a Super Bowl trophy across town. And he goes, I want him to aspire to something. Aspiring to a football helmet, not so much. Aspiring to win a Super Bowl, that, I think, is what I'd like him to do. And he laughed, <laughs> and he went ahead, and he said, but if you think, if you, think uh, you know, a helmet's good enough, then, then we'll give you a helmet. So I'm not hey, so sure that Dan wouldn't have allowed me to take that that Super Bowl trophy over, but I was not leaving the facility with a Super Bowl trophy. David, even if you misplaced it, Jim, he had a couple of others to uh, take its place. Well, Ira, I was not going to take a Super Bowl trophy out of that facility under any circumstances, my friend. Well, that brings to an end yet another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. And, you know, if you have not yet subscribed to us, it's easy enough to do. You can do it right here at Blog Talk Radio and have it sent right to your email box. You can, of course, go to iTunes and get us. Or we have joined the wonderful group of podcasters at Stitchers. So if you um, have an opportunity to download the Stitchers app, uh, you can find us uh, in their sports section with a lot of other outstanding sports podcasts. So no excuse not to be able to get the Sunshine Boys podcast. So... For the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson. For Tim Williams in Boston, I'm Jim Williams, your host. We hope that you have a wonderful weekend. Get out and enjoy the sunshine. And if you don't get an opportunity to get out, certainly there's plenty of good sports to watch on TV. Until next time, 
Enjoy your weekend, and we'll be back next time with the Sunshine Boys podcast. Take care. 